Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. On a Monday, September 25th, 2023, great to be with you. You know, today is three days until, or three days, <laughs> Floydian. Forty and Swift, I guess, because I love uh, Christmas. But three months from now will be Christmas, if you can believe it. September 25th, December 25th, right around the corner. And we have a special guest that's going to be wrapping up the show for us today. I don't want to tell you who it is because it's kind of a surprise, but you'll recognize his voice when he joins us. And we have a special idea for a Christmas gift for you based on this very special guest who is very familiar to those of you who listen and watch this wonderful network of course, EWTN Radio and EWTN Television. So we'll talk about that. I kind of go backwards because I'm left-handed. Here I go again with the uh, you know, back-timing thing, but doing it backwards. Anyhow, so that will be the last thing in the show. But the first thing in the show will be someone, the first interview, I should say, you know very well, also from many wonderful programs here on EWTN. He's a regular guest. He is a theologian, an author, and a speaker. And he was with us, I think, about, was it two weeks ago? Yeah, because it was a short interview, and I said to him during the break, we have to have you back on, because the program that he's now offering, it's a new one, Dr. Edward Tree will be the guest in just a few minutes after the news. It's from Ascension Press, and it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful study program called When You Pray, A Clear Path to a Deeper Relationship with God. And he's going to tell us, again, not only about the study, but specifically the audience he had in mind and why he decided to film this in Italy. So that'll be certainly very interesting because it's a lot of work to actually do something like that. I mean, it's one thing, it's kind of easy when you're in radio because you just, all you need is the internet. But when you're doing television, it's a whole different ballgame. There's so much else that goes into the actual production when you're doing TV. So it's very complicated and very costly, but he'll give us the details on why he decided that was necessary. And what if you're someone who, figures, you know, I have a pretty good prayer life. I pray on a regular basis, but I want to kick it up a notch. So this is another reason why I think this interview will be really helpful and informative for you and for everyone listening this morning. And as I mentioned, we are going to have the special guest to wrap up the program. And three months from Christmas, I think it'll be very timely as well as a lot of fun. I know you're going to enjoy it because I am so looking forward to it. It's going to be a blast. All right. Weather-wise, we still have some weird stuff going on with this... um, tropical storm Ophelia and apparently there's another tropical storm hanging out there as well. Ophelia continues according to the National Weather Service to impact parts of the mid-Atlantic and New England with rain and dangerous coastal conditions. Scattered severe storms in the South Plains and lower Mississippi Valley may produce damaging winds, large to very large hail and heavy rain and then they say cool and wet conditions are expected in the northwest and into Northern California. So if you look at the map, you can see those areas impacted. But again, this is from the post-tropical Ophelia, and they're saying Southern weather will be severe and then it'll be unsettled in the Northwest. So keep that in mind if you're traveling. It is a Monday, it's September 25th, 2023. So appreciate you listening to us here at EWTN. Check us out online at EWTN.com. Three minutes past the hour, a lot of news to get through. It was a busy news weekend, so let's get started on a Monday, shall we? 
You'll find this story on CatholicNewsAgency.com. Isabel Vaughn Spruce, you remember her. She's the woman from Great Britain, twice arrested for silent prayer outside a UK abortion facility, now receiving a police apology as well as a confirmation from law enforcement there that she will not face charges for violating a local buffer zone protection order. This is a woman who was asked by police, are you praying? And she wasn't vocally praying. She was praying in her mind and she was arrested. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Though Vaughn Spruce, as CNA explained, said she would return to the clinic to pray. She warned that her treatment has implications that are far reaching for the future of basic freedoms in her country and beyond. Earlier this year, she was arrested for praying in the buffer zone outside the abortion facility in Birmingham. Local authorities had declared a public space protection order near the clinic using a legal mechanism intended to prevent anti-social behavior. In a statement, she said, this isn't 1984, but 2023. I should never have been arrested or investigated simply for the thoughts in my own mind. She was alluding to George Orwell's novel and said that silent prayer is never criminal. She was previously arrested last year in December for silent prayer outside the same abortion facility, which was closed at the time. Earlier this year, the Birmingham Magistrates Court acquitted her of all charges related to the first case. Pope Francis condemning euthanasia and abortion as actions that play with life and said there is such a thing as bad compassion. He mentioned this during a press conference on board the papal plane from Marseille to Rome over the weekend. He said, you do not play with life, neither at the beginning nor at the end. It is not played with. This is what he told journalists on September 23rd. He said, whether it is a law not to let the child grow in the mother's womb or the law of euthanasia and disease in old age, he said, I'm not saying it's a faith thing, but it's a human thing. Again, there is bad compassion. The Pope has condemned euthanasia throughout his papacy, including referring to it as a sin against God. On the Feast of Our Lady of Fatima in May, on May 13th, the Holy Father expressing the sorrow over the legalization of euthanasia in Portugal, which he called a law to kill. And you can also find more on that story as well at cnacatholicnewsagency.com. Meanwhile, addressing the faithful gathered in St. Peter's Square for a Sunday Angelus message yesterday, the Holy Father is centering that message on God's boundless love, drawing inspiration from the parable of the workers in the vineyard. The parable tells the story of a vineyard owner who hired laborers throughout the day from early morning until late evening, yet paid them all the same wage. This apparent injustice, the Pope says, serves as a backdrop for exploring God's justice, which transcends notions of fairness. He added, it may seem like an injustice, but the parable should not be viewed through the lens of wages. Rather, it is meant to reveal God's criteria where he does not calculate our merits, but loves us as children. Highlighting God's boundless love, the Pope went on to say, his love is unwavering, as well as his commitment to humanity. For his heart, it is never too late. He searches for us and waits for us always. In other news this morning, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is saying he believes 99.9% of House Republicans do want to work toward a deal that would avoid a government shutdown. Speaking with reporters on Capitol Hill over the weekend, he blamed a small group of the most conservative Republicans for the current standoff. They like to stop everything, and then they turn around and say, it's your fault, you're not getting anything done. McCarthy noting that a deal on the debt ceiling earlier this year did not come about until crunch time and expects something similar to happen this time around. Congress has until September 30th to approve a funding bill that would prevent a government shutdown. Five people are dead, two others critically hurt after a train hit an SUV over the weekend in central Florida. Local officials saying it happened around 6.45 p.m. at a crossing east of Tampa. 
A witness telling police she honked her horn trying to alert the driver of the approaching train just before the impact sent the Cadillac SUV tumbling multiple times. Chris Caraggio tells us Mexico has now reached an agreement with... A record-breaking 233,000 people crossed the border illegally in August, prompting the mayor of Eagle Pass, Texas, to declare a state of emergency. On Friday, Mexican officials met with U.S. Border Patrol and reached an agreement to depressurize Mexico's northern cities. Mexico agreed to a series of 15 actions to lessen the number of migrant crossings. They include conducting interventions on Mexican railways and highways and allowing Border Patrol agents to expel migrants through El Paso. Meanwhile, a U.S. senator from a border state says if you think the border crisis is bad now, watch what happens if there's a government shutdown. Border Patrol agents are not going to get paid. This is going to, I mean, if we think it's bad today, just think about what that looks like. Speaking on CBS's Face the Nation, Arizona Democrat Mark Kelly says it will become far worse if the thousands and thousands of Border Patrol agents are forced to stay home because of a shutdown. Congress does have until September 30th to pass a bill for the president to sign. And Jacqueline Carl tells us John Fetterman, the first Democratic senator to call on Bob Menendez of New Jersey to step down. New Jersey Senator Menendez was indicted on Friday on bribery charges, but his fellow Democrats had not called for his resignation because of their slim majority in the Senate. But on Saturday, Pennsylvania lawmaker Fetterman broke away from the other Democrats and said on social media that Menendez should resign. Fetterman wrote, he's entitled to the presumption of innocence, but he cannot continue to wield influence over national policy, especially given the serious and specific nature of the allegations. There's word, meanwhile, that Senator Menendez will speak publicly, and that could happen today for the very first time since being hit with those federal bribery charges on Friday. The New Jersey Globe is reporting that Menendez will hold a press conference and announce plans, apparently, to seek re-election for next year. He made it clear he's not stepping down and says those who are urging him to resign are, in his words, rushing to judge a Latino. The feds accuse him again of accepting hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash, gold bars, and other gifts in exchange for using his position to enrich three New Jersey businessmen. Numerous Democrats, again, as you heard, including Governor Phil Murphy and Senator Fetterman, have called for Menendez to resign. Jennifer Polsoni tells us the same number of Fire Department New York members have now died from 9-11-related illnesses as those that lost their lives on that fateful day. 343 FDNY members died in the September 11th attacks. Now the same number of FDNY members have died from 9-11 related illnesses. FDNY Commissioner Laura Kavanaugh posting to social media that since marking the 22nd anniversary of the attacks earlier this month, the department experiencing the loss of two more FDNY members due to World Trade Center related illnesses. They included EMT Hilda Venata, who died of cancer last Wednesday, and retired firefighter Robert Falco, who died of pulmonary fibrosis on Saturday. She added, we have long known this day was coming, yet its reality is astounding just the same. America's support for Ukraine in its war with Russia seems largely split along party lines. At least that's according to a new ABC News Washington Post report released yesterday. That study or survey finds that 41% think the U.S. is doing too much to support Ukraine. That's up from 33% back in February, half saying The United States is helping the right amount, or not enough. Broken down by party affiliation, 58% of Republicans think the U.S. is doing too much 
and that's compared with 22% of Democrats. The chair of the Republican National Committee hopes former President Trump will take part in at least one of the presidential debates next year. Oh, I want him to attend a debate, and he knows that, everybody knows. I think the other candidates also want him to attend a debate. Speaking on Fox News Sunday, Ronna McDaniel urging Donald Trump to appear at a debate before primary voting begins in January. Trump did skip the first Republican debate in August, and he announced that he will be in Detroit this week instead of at the next debate. Deanna Kodiak tells us NFL fans who took part in Thursday night's fight at Levi Stadium could face a lifetime ban. Santa Clara police and Levi Stadium say they have zero tolerance for fighting at events. Video of the violence during the 49ers-Giants game shows numerous fans in an all-out brawl in the stands with a man grabbing a woman by her hair and throwing her towards the stair railing. Police say one person has been arrested. The NFL is starting to take notice of all the fights at games. Last Sunday, a man died after an altercation during the Patriots and Dolphins game in Massachusetts. And finally, in our new segment at 13 minutes past the hour on a Monday morning, September 25th, 2023, NASA astronaut Frank Rubio now holds a record for the longest orbit mission by an American. He passed 355 days on the International Space Station this week, and that was last week, actually. The West Point grad, who was a doctor and a helicopter pilot by training, said he's looking forward to reaching 365 days. He is set to return to Earth in just a few days on September 27th, when he will have spent, get this, 371 days in space. Amazing. So glad you're tuned in to EWTN. Let's give you another look at the weather before we take a break and bring on our friend, Dr. Edward Shree. Always a pleasure and always informative to chat with him. We've got this post-tropical Ophelia thing going on. Ophelia continuing to impact parts of the Mid-Atlantic and New England with rain and dangerous coastal conditions. Scattered severe storms in the south, plains and lower Mississippi Valley producing damaging winds, very large to large hail and heavy rain, and then cool and wet conditions are expected in the Northwest and into Northern California. Thanks for tuning in. When we come back, Dr. Shree is going to join us all about a beautiful new study entitled When You Pray. Amen to that. We'll be right back. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. And we need to pray for all our world leaders and all those who are in such danger. See, in a day and age where people are getting further away from God, you get further away from goodness. Only God is good. you remember what our Lord said one day? Why do you call me good, he said. Only God is good. Only God. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. so intrigued by the interview we did with Dr. Shri, which is no surprise because he's a great guest, very knowledgeable in the faith and a lot of fun to speak with. I was really interested in learning more about this beautiful, beautiful program they have available, When You Pray, A Clear Path to a Deeper Relationship with God. And I don't care how much we pray or how good we are at it. If we are still alive, God is not through with us yet, and we can always learn more about how to get closer to the Lord. Amen, Ted, right? Amen. Yeah, that's what I, I wrote the book and the, put the video series together, just to really help us to take that next step in our walk with the Lord in our spiritual lives, whatever that step is. There's some people right. that have been praying for many, many decades, and 
you know, they, they, they need to go a little bit deeper. God's inviting them to go and uh, take that next step in their prayer life. There's others that don't have a consistent prayer life, and God is calling them to meet with them every day in daily prayer. And so wherever we are in that spectrum, there's always that next step in our journey in the spiritual life. So that was my question, because in terms of the audience, and you say, you know, uh, for whom did you put this together? It really is for anyone, just looking to grow closer to the Lord through prayer, right? Exactly, yeah. That's what, that's what I've heard from people. So I've heard from people that you might call them beginners, right? They're devout Catholics, they go to church every day, they listen to the Teresa Tamio show, you know, they're, they're committed Catholics, but they, they've admitted, you know, but I don't have that regular, consistent prayer life, and I know I need that. I know I need that time every day, and it jumpstarts their prayer life, and they're learning about the saints, they're learning about how the wisdom of, of these great holy men and women can help them in their own daily lives. But there's other people who have had a very consistent prayer life for many, many years, but they feel like maybe they're going through a spiritual rut, the prayer has been a little bit dry, or they feel like they may be getting a little stagnant, and, and they're sensing, you know, I need to be more generous with the Lord. I think God's inviting me to go deeper. So I'm hearing, you know, kind of whether they're beginners or they're people who have been, you know, praying regularly for a long time, both getting something out of this. So this is a study, so it combines several different formats. You've got the book, you've got a, a guide with it, but then you have this beautiful series. Why not just do a book and a study guide or just a book? Why go through all this trouble to actually shoot and film something? Because that's a lot of work. You know, the book itself, yes, you can, it can stand on its own. It has 30 short reflections that unpack the treasures of the saints and make them really practical for our daily lives. You can use it for your daily prayer time. So the book can stand on its own, no doubt. But, you know, you and I have been in small groups before, and it's just a whole different experience when you're working with others, whether it's your men's group, a women's group, your family, a Bible study group. You learn something from the other people that are involved. And so I love the idea of getting together and doing something in the spiritual life, because there's all these small group resources for Bible study, for marriage, for RCIA. There's not much out there that's actually unpacking the Catholic tradition of spiritual theology and the great wisdom of the saints. And so we wanted to put together a video series. We thought about, oh, could we just do it, you know, in a nice church, you know, a little chapel, beautiful background. But we said, no, 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 we want to make the saints real. I think that's probably one of the biggest things. You know, I think as Catholics, we, we sometimes you know, make the saints so great. We put them on such a high pedestal, as we should. Right. We honor and venerate them, but we can forget that they were human. We put them so high on a pedestal, we can't relate to them. We forget that they, you know, these were men and women that made mistakes, they had arguments, they, they had disputes, they, made, you know, they, they, they fell into sin. And yet every time they fell, God met them in their weakness, and they got up and tried again, they repented, and then over time, through cooperating with God's grace and His human power, they were changed, they were transformed, and they were made perfect. And, right. and, I, and I think that that human aspect of the saints, to hear that the saints, oh, they struggled in prayer. Oh, they struggled with weakness, and then they were transformed. That gives me hope, because I know I struggle, and I have lots of weaknesses, and, and God can, can do that for me, too. And so we wanted to make the saints real. That's why we filmed all around Italy at different places of the saints, either where a saint lived, where they died, where they preached, where their relics are, because we wanted to make them real, make them human. These were real men and women that made real decisions, had real struggles, and they were transformed by Christ. 
We're talking with Dr. Edward Shree about his new program series, actually. It's, it's, I guess you could call it a study overall. I mean, it's just a great opportunity to grow in your relationship with God through prayer. It's from Ascension Press, ascensionpress.com. When you pray, a clear path to a deeper relationship with God. Okay, inquiring minds want to know, I don't want to give too much away because I want folks to get this series, but can you give us kind of like a highlight? You know how much I, I love Italy, Deacon Dom and I love Italy. Which saints in Italy did you highlight? Could you just give us one or two? Oh my goodness, so many. I, one of my favorite places we went to was in Siena. I just love Siena. Oh, I know, Siena's you know, amazing. It, 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 mm-hmm. Beautiful medieval Catholic you know, uh, town, beautiful cathedral. I got to film at the cathedral where she would have gone, where she would have prayed. We got to film at the Church of San Damiano. This is where she was her local parish. This is where she learned to pray, and this is where they actually have the relic of her head there. Um, mm-hmm. But the really fun thing is we got to go to her house. We got to film yeah. right inside the cell. You've been there, right, Greg? Right, you know, this is where she had those mystical dialogues with God, where she lived for three years just in this quiet solitude with God for three years. It was incredible. Um, so so that, that was a fun place to go. We, of course, got the film in Assisi. Uh, another kind of place off the beaten track that you know, a lot of pilgrims don't get to go to, uh, we went to Subiaco, which is you know, a good 90 minutes outside of Rome, mm-hmm. out in the, the mountains where it's the cave where St. Benedict lives. And we spent time thinking about how Benedict was someone who lived in the world but wasn't too of the world, and he had to have a certain detachment from the decadent pagan society around him. And while we may not all be called to go hide in a cave, you know, like he did, you know, where he was like living like a hermit, he does offer a lot of principles for us that helps us to navigate how to build a good Catholic spiritual life, a Catholic family life, in the midst of a very unchristian culture that we're living in. Yeah, and there's so many saints. I mean, Umbria is just like the land of the saints. It's crazy. You've got St. Rita Casha, you've got St. Clair of Montefalco, St. Clair of Assisi, St. Francis, and on and on. It's such a, a, a saintly area, and I mean that, you know, pun intended, because there's so many places you could go. So how long did it take you to film this? Because I was telling our listeners, uh, Ted, at the top of the hour, that doing television, you make it look so easy when, when we do it, we put it out there, just like for the March for Life. People think, oh, it looks so simple, but all the prep work that goes into it, and I know this because uh, you know I cover it every year for them, and I also have done a lot of TV work myself, but it's not easy. It's a lot of work. How long did it take from beginning to end to actually film? Well, in some ways, it, you know, all, with all the prep work, it, it took many years. We were going to film this in 2020, and then something happened called COVID. So we had to yeah. kick, kick it back after a while. But we were doing a lot of prep and mapping it out. But the actual filming itself, we were there for about a week. It, but it's nonstop. It is. You're up at 6 in the morning, and we are working until the sun goes down, and oftentimes late at night having meetings to plan for the next morning. And we're going from city to city. Uh, and, and it was, yeah, it, it's, all, it's really intense. But it was awesome, though, because to go to these places where the saints lived, where they walked, where they prayed, it's just, it's always just so, so moving for me. And then there's even other saints that, you know, maybe didn't live in Rome, but they came to Rome on pilgrimage, like St. Therese of Lisieux, and they got to think mm-hmm. about some of the places where she visited. We, got to, we actually got to go to a place that's hard to get to. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the relic of her habit that's in Rome. Uh, it's inside the, 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 the Vatican office for the propagation of the faith, which is on the, the office dedicated to evangelization. And she's like a patron saint for missionaries, because uh, she prayed for missionaries around the world. And they have the relic of her habit, like what she actually wore, right? And that's, we actually got the film at that spot. We got the film at another place where Cardinal Newman had celebrated his first Mass, and there's relics there. So, again, trying to make the things go, like, these were real men and women. And... The, you know, to be able to walk in the footsteps of 
John Henry Newman's Res of the Sioux and, and these other saints is just so moving. And yeah. so my hope is that people, they see the beauty of these, of these amazing scenes in Italy and the saints. They see the beauty of the saints' life that it inspires us to love more, to trust more, to give more. Uh, and, and so the book, again, is not about, in the video series, it's not just about prayer itself. It's about the journey God wants to take us in our prayer life so that we give more of our lives to Him and encounter Him more deeply in, in prayer. And the saints became the saints because they, they worked through, not that, they, as you said, they weren't perfect. They didn't drop from heaven as saints. I mean, they weren't born saints, but they worked through those situations. You know, and as you know, St. Paul tells us in Philippians, what is it, 2.12? Uh, he worked, they worked out their salvation through fear and trembling. More with Dr. Edward Shree on this beautiful, 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 beautiful program that you can get through. Ignatius, not Ignatius Press. Well, they're great too, but this one is from Ascension Press. Excuse me. Still have a little bit of a head cold here. But again, check it out. When you pray from our friends at Ascension Press, a clear path to a deeper relationship with God. We'll be right back. Connection to be a great conversation with someone very familiar to our EWTN radio and TV audiences, Dr. Edward Tree. Of course, you know him from his great work at the Augustine Institute and Focus Fellowship of Catholic University students. His many, many books, his lectures, great work, and this latest project in which he's involved. And now it's available to all of us. And I really, really encourage you to check it out and take advantage of it when you pray. And it was shot in Bella Italia. So in terms of the actual study, kind of walk us through. So you have, how many actual episodes would people be sitting down to watch, Ted? Okay, so there's seven sessions. And, and again, these come with workbooks, and you, so you can have a small, small conversation with your family, with your Bible study group, your men's group, women's group. And so each session has a different theme. So the very first part is just on the life of prayer itself. Uh, just introducing people to how to pray and getting them, you know, in, you know to that faithfulness in daily prayer. Then we talk have a section all on struggles in prayer, because when you start praying, it's not always easy. <laughs> you, know, you fall asleep, you get distracted, uh, your mind wanders, or you feel like you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And we talk about how all the saints have those same struggles, you know, and, and that God actually is using those struggles to teach us something. Maybe it's to teach us humility, that, Lord, I don't know how to pray, and I need you, I need your help. You know, or maybe he's using it to draw our desires out for him. That just because prayer we feel isn't going well, we feel like we're distracted, we should never leave the chapel or, or that time in prayer thinking it wasn't valuable. God's doing something, and he wants to meet us in the midst of those struggles. So, um, But, but then, then we start moving to the classic themes in Catholic spiritual theology. So uh, we have a whole section where we feature St. John Paul II and St. Faustina on trust and surrender. How do I grow in discerning my what God wants for my life, for my family, for my career, or just, you know, my, my next step in what he's calling me to. And then how do I trust him more? We live in an age where people live with such anxiety and such fear, and, and God wants to liberate us from that. He wants us to live in his peace. And so if we ever have those moments where we're, we're anxious and we're, where we've lost our interior peace, it's a sign that something is off in our spiritual lives. It's a sign that we're too attached to something, too attached to a certain dream I have or a certain relationship or a certain position or honor or reputation. Right? There's something that I'm too attached to, and, and, it, and, and God's using that like the check engine light, I like to say, going off in the car. You know, something's mm-hmm. off, and Jesus says, don't be anxious. And he wants us to grow in trust. But how do we grow in trust? 
many of the saints, like St. Saint Catherine and St. Therese and St. Faustina, they offer much wisdom on that. So we walk through practical tips on how to trust God more with our lives and truly follow Him. Uh, and then we have chapters on weakness, like weakness with sins, like various uh, imperfections that we keep bringing to confession, the same sin. What's happening here? Why, why do I struggle? Why I want to change? I want to be better? How come I just can't be more patient with my kids? Or how come I just can't, I keep struggling with purity? Or I keep struggling with pride? Whatever my weakness is, what's happening there? And how do I meet God in my weakness and allow Him to change me? Here we draw a lot from St. Therese of Lisieux and, and her little way um, and, and, and meeting God in our weakness. And then, then one of my favorite sections, oh, this is a lot of fun. Uh, we got the film at the, at the front of the great Bernini statue of St. Teresa of Avalon. Oh, and, oh my gosh, ecstasy. I love that. Yeah. You know, now, now this is one of those great examples, right? We hear these stories of these saints, these, these crazy things that happen to them. And Bernini depicts this amazing moment in, in Teresa's life where she has this vision of an angel with this, with this arrow that's on fire and stabbing her heart. And, and, she, and, and she finds it so painful yet so delightful. She wishes it never ends. You're wondering, okay, that's a crazy story, but I, I can't relate to that. I don't have angels appearing right. to me when I pray. Well, well, I think, again, these extraordinary things that happen to saints are there to point to something that God wants to do in ordinary people like you and me. You know, so God wants to pierce our hard hearts and soften them with His love. He wants to take our weak hearts and transform them with His strength. That God is wanting to do something in all of our hearts. He did, it, he did this extraordinary thing with Teresa, but it's really meant to point to the transformation of our own hearts that are weak and fearful uh, and, and hardened, and, 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 and wants, God wants to do that transformation. So we have a whole section on the Carmelite spirituality with Teresa of Avila and John of the Cross and the healing that God does in our soul. That God doesn't want us just to be good Catholics that believe the right things, say the right things, do the right things. Now, I want to be clear for all those things. We have to believe the right things and do the right things. That's essential. But that's just like the beginning point of the spiritual life. If I told you I was a great basketball player just because I, I followed all the rules, you'd, you'd laugh mm-hmm. at me saying, well, I, I just stay inbound. <laughs> you know, that makes me right. a great NBA basketball player. No, no, I, I, need the, I need to grow in my skills of shooting and, and blocking out and dribbling it all and passing. Same thing in the spiritual life. It's not about simply just following the rules. I'm Orthodox, and I go to church on Sunday, and I put money in the basket. No, no. Am, I, am I learning to love like Jesus loves? That's what St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, that we're being changed into Christ's likeness from one degree of glory to another. So it's Christ's love, His trust of the Father, His courage that, 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 that's living through me. And I want, that, I want that transformation for my own soul, and this is what the spiritual life is all about. So we draw a lot on the Carmelite mystics, John Cross and Teresa of Avila uh, in that section. And then we finally move to like some sections about how do you live in this world but not be of the world? And mm-hmm. Newman, I mentioned earlier, is one of our key figures in this passage. He has a lot on, because he's living at this period where Christianity is popular. You know, it's still you have know, the vestiges of a Christian culture in the 1800s in England, but he sees that it's all being chipped away, and people are living not for Christ. They're living for worldly praise and honor and comfort, and that can kind of just start to pervade our hearts. So if I want to build a good Catholic culture in my home for my children, for my grandchildren, if I want to, if I want to myself just live a good spiritual life, I have to be very careful what I take in from the media. I know, Teresa, you've written a book on this. Mm-hmm. We've talked a lot about that. Like so much of what we take in from Netflix and YouTube and Instagram, 
may not be good for my soul. So I'd be very careful. That doesn't mean I have to completely unplug from all those things, but there's great principles that Newman and St. Benedict and many others give us from the saints about how to be very careful what I allow my children to take in in their soul, what I allow myself to take in in my soul so I can be focused on Christ. So that gives you a little walk through some of the, the, the themes in Catholic spirituality, our cooperation with grace. I, I think the heart of it really is, though, this meeting God in our weaknesses, in our littleness. That's kind of like the big theme, whether it's weakness in prayer, whether it's weakness in my marriage. I'm just not the husband I need to be, and uh, you know, I'm not the father I, I'm supposed to be, and I fall short, and why can't I be better? These are the real experiences that many Christians have. And they, and they can kind of feel ashamed or feel like, oh, I'm just, I'm just stuck and I can't get better. There is a way to move forward. And we shouldn't. And we have so many examples. I'm just so glad you concentrated so much on the saints because I'm always telling people that this is, God gives us these saints in certain times of history. And we look at the lives of St. Teresa of Avila, St. Catherine of Siena, uh, and all the other ones you mentioned, St. Francis of Assisi. We get all caught up. I'm not saying it's not valid to be concerned about what's going on in the church and in the world. But we forget that God's not going to abandon his church, and he has given us and continues to give us people in every area, at every stage of the church's life for the past 2,000 years that can be examples for us and help the church move forward. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's, that's what God does. At every era, he gives us the saints that we need. You know, I think about in our modern era where we live a very selfish life, where you know, relativism is all about, I want to do what I want for me. I'm free to do what I want with my life. He right. you call it a selfish view of freedom. Who does he give us? He gives us Mother Teresa, a woman right. that uses her life not for her own purposes, but to serve the poorest of the poor. Yeah. And remind us our life isn't about us. It's about right. giving Amen. ourselves as a gift to others. Ted, great to speak with you. Thanks for this beautiful, beautiful study. When you pray, and you can find it at ascensionpress.com. Video series, seven parts, also a book and a study guide. Great material, ascensionpress.com. We'll be right back. Father Benedict Groeschel. I usually am operating on the gifts of the Holy Spirit when I don't feel well, even when I'm annoyed, when I'm down and out. During my recovery from the automobile accident, immense numbers of people wrote to me and sent me emails, 50,000, and they told me how helpful they thought my talks on EWTN were to them. I'm delighted, but I want you to know I'm nobody's fool. The talks that were helpful, the sentences that were helpful, the phrases that were helpful came from the Holy Spirit. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And the styrofoam packaging came from me. I did that. And styrofoam doesn't amount to very much. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. As I mentioned at the top of the hour, it's, and you know this just by looking at the calendar, and I don't think it's any coincidence that we have this wonderful guest, and you know him well. I've been kind of teasing this all hour, not saying who it is, but you'll recognize a voice when I bring him on. Today is three months from Christmas, so perfect timing to have this wonderful news person, journalist, author, speaker, EW10 host on, also vocalist, if you did not know. So I'm going to let him say ciao and buongiorno to our audience. And, you know, I've been keeping this kind of a secret, making sure people 
would still tune in so they can hear all about your Christmas album. Good morning. No, Teresa. It's so good to be with you. (laughs) (laughs) Our surprise guest this morning, our very own Raymond Arroyo. So my goodness, you know, I was doing a lot of research on not only your release, which is uh, available for folks for this Christmas, but so many times you've actually taken part in singing with the various guests on your show, wonderful musicians and vocalists, such as, of course, Jose Feliciano and uh, Aaron Neville and more. And I forgot that you are really a gifted vocalist. That is so beautiful. So yeah. tell us how this came about, this, this well, particular... Well, the, the truth is, I mean, anyone who's watched the world over, over the years, particularly the right. Christmas show, knows I've sung with some of the great voices of Christmas. And in my previous life... I, I did sing. I did musicals. I was trained as an actor. So all of that was very natural. Now, I had not sung professionally in about 25 years. So mm. a friend of mine who's a record executive came to me and said, would you consider doing a Christmas album? And I said, no. I said, I said no, I'm not going to do a, a full album. Because I, kn- I know the work it takes, Teresa. I mean, I know the mechanics. And right. it, it's like anything else. You have to get back on the bike. You have to get back in training. So... I thought about it, I prayed about it, and I thought, you know, I could do something unique here. And I did a deep dive into a, a bunch of songs in the Christmas canon, uh, traditional carols, some beloved contemporary songs, and figured out what they were really about, their origins, who wrote them, why, the context, and that helped shape a new approach to these songs. So I thought, okay, let's go on this journey and um, and then I went back into training. I, I, I went back to vocal training for the first time in about 25 years. Wow. And you know what? It does come back. I mean, it, it, it is a mechanism in some ways. I mean, this is about placement and, and breath control and, you know, holding the line and phrasing. You, you do quickly learn all of that again, and it's the stamina that, you know, that is the, the challenge. But, uh, but we got there. It, it, and... Uh, assembled 20 pieces, a 20-piece orchestra. Uh, the NOLA Players is an incredible jazz orchestra, some of the best sidemen in New Orleans. Um, mm-hmm. And then we got Kevin Koska to do all of our arrangements. Now, Kevin, if you don't know his name, you know him, his work. Uh, Kevin orchestrated and arranged The Greatest Showman, The Lion King, mm-hmm. The Jungle Book, the, 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 the Passion of the Christ, The Dark Knight. I mean, he's an incredible orchestrator. But his background is in big band orchestrations. So I went to him and said, I want to set this in a classic big band feel. And uh, there are a few of these songs that are very tender and need to be treated in a very light, tender way. And he came back with some incredible orchestrations and, um, and something that I think will enrich people's Christmas, I hope, and, uh, and hopefully get them to focus anew on why we sing these songs and who we sing them about. Yeah, Christmas Berry and Bright from our very own Raymond Arroyo of EWTN. So where do we find this? How do we get it, Raymond? Oh, my gosh, you can get it anywhere, Teresa. Look, I mean, the EWTN catalog has it, uh, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, uh, Apple Music, uh, anywhere, Spotify, wherever you get your music, wherever you download your music, or if you want the CD, all it's available in all those formats. The thing I love is right now, we are the number one jazz vocal on Amazon and has been, look been at there you. since last week. It's really incredible. And look, I love the way the album turned out. It's, it's peppy. It's fun. I wish EWTN radio allowed us to play clips of the music. But if you go to RaymondArroyoChristmas.com, RaymondArroyoChristmas.com, 
there there are clips there, a trailer, and uh, links to all the vendors where you can buy the the, uh, the album. Yeah, how fun! And I imagine that this is being that you were trained as a you know in in that field. This is really something going back to your roots and probably your first love in terms of a profession. I'm just guessing that. But well, is that I, true? I have to tell you, I, I was I was worried when we first went in because look, you can. I knew from my theater days, you know, you go through and you practice with the piano, you run through the, you know, your song, you prepare it, and then you get in the room with the orchestra and it changes a little bit. But usually they're in the Mm -hmm. pit, so they're not a real element. They're down below. You hear them, but they're not there. This is a very different thing. When you are in the room with a band, and we decided to record the entire album, Christmas, Merry and Bright, with the band in the room with me. I didn't want to record them first and then go back a week later and do, Mm -hmm. you know, cut tracks to it. It's not the same. But it changed the performance entirely. I mean, I equated Teresa to being a surfer, and the band is the the surf, and you have to just sort of get on and ride and, and keep up. And so it stretches you, it moves you, it takes you in new directions. It's a real conversation. So what people will hear, there's a crackle and an energy about these songs that I think we've taken for granted for too long, like Hark the Herald Angels Sing. How many times have you heard Hark the Herald Angels Sing delivered by a choir that sounds like, you know, it's, it's on Xanax? You know, they're just kind of half-sleeping mm-hmm. through it. Um, <laughs> I wanted to revive the passion and the excitement, uh, the urgency of that song and so many others. This is about the birth of Jesus, God made man, coming. And as one of the, as, as Hark the Herald Angels says, the God, the, the God had made flesh. I mean, you, there are those, there are those beautiful lyrics and incredible, dramatic movements in these songs, these carols that we missed. So we tried to reinsert that drama and excitement, and bring a family feel to it. So you know, Mother used to talk about the family spirit. There is a real family spirit on this album that, frankly, I don't think we could have created or recreated anywhere else having a group of guys who played together for 30 years uh, in New Orleans, these great jazz musicians, and then having Jose Feliciano, my daughter does a, a, a duet with me on one of the songs, Christmas Memories. Um, it really is a family affair, and you can't fake that. You know, I say that about right. broadcasts and any recording. You, you can try, you can, you can try to fake it, the audience always knows. No, the sincerity it, comes through. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, authenticity. And when you hit it and you get it right, there's nothing like it. And I'm delighted that we got so much right here. Talking with our very own Raymond Arroyo, of course, from EWTN's A World Over and so much more. Christmas, Merry and Bright, his Christmas release. It's available now, as he mentioned. EWTN Catalog has it as well as his own website. So you went back to your roots in a number of ways because you're from New Orleans, and so you were actually recording it there. That must have been really moving for you as well. Or let the tea. Oops. And, you know, there you are. Uh, Go ahead. We lost you for a second. Go ahead. Oh, there, yeah. There's a, there's a little theater, Let the Teat, in New Orleans. Tiny little place, but it fit all of us. The acoustics were great in there. So we all kind of, you know, bundled in. Of course, this is in the dead of August. You know, you die. You know, there's, there's, you know, sweat rolling off of Santa at that time of year. But, uh, but we went in, recorded it there, and there was such a homey together feel. You'll see it on the, on the video uh, at uh, RaymondRoyalChristmas.com. There's a neat video and trailer. Um, but you know what I love, Teresa? It gave me an opportunity. I listen to Christmas music the entire year through, 
all year I listen to Christmas music of various artists. So to go back and re-explore these songs in a new way and to kind of find out their origins. You know, I'll give you a couple of examples. Feliz Navidad. I didn't realize Jose Feliciano wrote Feliz Navidad about his brothers and him celebrating Christmas in Puerto Rico. And they would go out in the heat and kind of beat on instruments and sing old Spanish Christmas carols. So I thought, I asked Jose, I said, what if we reset the song and did it in a kind of smooth, sultry, bossa nova feel at the top so that it reconnects it to what you originally envisioned in your head when you wrote it? And he agreed. So for the first time, you'll hear a whole new rendition of Feliz Navidad. It's very sweet and pretty and fun. Of course, you get the big, the horns come in at the end. But it's a nice build, and Jose joined me for the ride. I mean, he's there. He's a featured guest on the album. So it was really an honor for me to go back and dig into these beautiful songs that are eternal, Teresa. I mean, like the faith. Mm -hmm. You know, they they are at once, they're like prayers almost. Because at once, these are the songs that your great-grandparents sang, you're singing, and your children's children will sing them. They are eternal songs, and there are very few genres that have that quality. So Christmas is one of those rare times when you can sing in the past, the present, and the future all at once. And to do that and to, and to be able to sort of capture it on an album is just a gift to me. Okay, so next question, and you probably knew this is coming. So you did this CD, this release. Are, is there yeah. more musical releases in, in, in the future, mm-hmm. do you think? We're talking about it. I think when, uh, when, the, you know, when the, the sales of this started taking off, and they have, you know, they really have. I mean, it's extraordinary. They, last week, at the end of last week, into Saturday, our album was beating Taylor Swift's album, which is... <laughs> <laughs> Does she know that? Don't tell her. She'll well, be very don't upset. Don't tell her. Yeah, she, she'll shake <laughs> me right off. No, no, I'm not going to tell her. But uh, we were number nine. She was number ten. Um, so that was a kind of cool thing to see. But um, it, it, we'll see. We'll see if there's more music. Uh, look, I am going on tour this Christmas. We're going to hit some major cities. Um, you know, I'm in Nashville at the Ryman Auditorium. Um, How we're fun. in Cleveland at the Key State and, and Phoenix at the Orpheum. So we're really going to, you know, hit some major venues um, with the band, some special guests. Jose is coming with me for some of those uh, appearances. Frankie Avalon's joining me in Cleveland. So oh, my kind gosh, of a how fun. Feel. Yeah. yeah, it's going to have a classic, you know, feel. We wanted a kind of old-school vibe. Um, and yeah, you look like Frank Sinatra on the cover. I'm just saying, as a fellow Italian, because I know you're half Italian, you look like a cute little young Frank Sinatra with the hat and the coat. But, well, maybe not so young anymore, but it is an homage to Sinatra, though Though Frank's cover may be the most dreary cover of all the Christmas covers. His original cover um, for, uh, what's that called, uh, uh, a joy, some Frank Sinatra wishes you a joyous Christmas. Um, mm-hmm. it is the, it's a black cover. It's completely black with him in, the, in a hat sort of, you know, in a winter scene. So I've never quite gotten that background, but it is an homage to that cover. Yes, I'm glad you caught that. It's very cute. I think it's inspiring, though, too, because, I mean, you're still very young. You're in your early 50s, but a lot of folks don't have the the guts to go back and say, gosh, you know, I love to sing. I should do this. I mean, I was was watching the the interview that you did and doing some research for our segment today, and I don't know if you know this Mm. about me, but my second career choice was actually dance, and I love to dance. Oh, my gosh, I I don't do it enough. I took some, I mean, I'm not formally trained or anything. I took some classes in, in college and whatnot. 
But I don't know. I, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to be a, a tryout for the Rockettes in my early 60s. I'm 10 years older than you. But I don't know. You've inspired me. Maybe I should do don't something. I don't know. You know, because it, it, it does. It's just part of who I am. I dance all the time. I, my hands are going. I'm, I'm tapping the, you know, the desk. I have this natural rhythm. I don't know what to do with it. But it's, I think it's very inspiring. So I want to congratulate you on that. I think it's really neat. Oh, well, thank you. Well, you know, you can't stop that rhythm. It's either there or not. And, and again, <laughs> you can train. I do think you can train right. um, and, and, you know, refine what you have. But there is an instinct. There is a kind of yes. musical, rhythmic right. instinct. And you either have that or you don't. Um, and the good news is because of my acting training, I knew how to sort of find those nuggets and new ways to, to, to shed light or explode a song that we've taken for granted. And, uh, and it's a fun ride. It's a joy ride, for me anyway. Um, and I think for everybody. And the feedback I've gotten has just been incredible. And look, it's a big turn for the audience, I know. Look, they're used to seeing me chained behind the desk and, you know, just my head moving. So this is a very <laughs> different, you know, Raymond. Because um, you get the full spectrum of sound and, you know, and look, it's, it's, you're singing with an orchestra. So it's a different, right. it's a totally different experience. But I think if people go on the ride, they will love it. Yeah, but I think it's I think it's a very Catholic thing because because God gives us all these different gifts that that play into what we do, right? I mean, your natural ability to speak and to be in front of a camera all plays into what you do, and the music helps just just like I said to someone years ago. Why did God give me all this rhythm if I'm not a dancer? But in terms of the timing mm-hmm. and doing radio yeah. and back timing and everything, that all plays in. It's timing. It's timing, Teresa. You know, one of the most irritating things I find in broadcast is. When people start slowing down the segment, I, 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 you know, I start beating the side of the desk. You know, move it, move it, move it. Let's go, let's go. Timing right. is so important. Perhaps if we have a second, when we come back. I don't know if we're coming back on the no, other side. No, we're well. We have well. We're pretty much done here. I'm sorry, sweetie, but we have to have you back on because this is a lot of fun. I would like to just talk about the creative angle too, in terms of what led to this. So I think it's great. And again, Raymond Arroyo, our guest. Hey, three months from Christmas, get this album, Christmas, Merry and Bright, EWTN catalog, and of course, RaymondArroyo.com. We'll be right back. Thanks so much for tuning in to EWTN, Global Catholic Radio Network, EWTN.com, and of course, our co-producer, AveMariaRadio.net. Don't forget, check out Raymond's great Christmas album, Christmas Merry and Bright, three months from Christmas, believe it or not. We'll talk to you tomorrow. God bless. Ciao, ciao. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.